Hi, I'm Perry, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 346. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me today is nobody because it's a solo show. Yeah, Valerie is a bit under the weather, but she's going to be back uh, for the next show, so don't worry. On today's show, I'm going to be answering questions about do Metacube devices work? Irie products, who are they good for and does it work? What makes Korean skincare products work so well? What are heat protection ingredients for hair? Do beauty devices work? What is the best oil for hair? Does treating hair with oil before shampooing help? Does scalp or hair steaming have any benefits? Are hydrofacials helpful? What bond builders work best? Do hair boron products really work better? What is crystal deodorant? Why aren't there more lip balms with water and humectants? But first, let's get to some of that chit chat. Or should I say kitten talk? Yeah, you see, we took in a whole bunch of kittens uh, this time. Uh, There was this uh, one cat who I haven't had the chance to get fixed, uh, and she had kittens for the second time this year. Her first batch of uh, four kittens was taken in by someone else around July, and then this batch, she has three. She carried them into my yard the other day, and in Chicago, we were under a freeze and snow warning. I felt kind of bad for the kittens. I didn't want to freeze to death, so I brought them into my warmer house. And I also managed to catch the mom and put them all in one room together. And now Mama Blue, that's, that's what I call her, she was super scared. But, you know, after a couple of days, she's kind of gotten more brave. And most importantly, she's taking care of those kittens. Uh, I did not relish the thought of having to wake up daily at 3 or 4 a.m. to feed little kittens again. So porch kitties are doing good. Hopefully once these kittens are a bit older, I I think they're about three or four weeks old right now, I'll get them adopted out. I'll also get mama fixed and then we can reclaim our basement. (laughs) If you want to see a picture of the kittens, I put uh, them as today's show image. All right, but enough cat talk. Let's get on with the show. Hey, beauty brains. Metacube's devices, do they work? How do they work? And do you advise anyone to buy them? Thanks, Joni. All right, Metacube. They've got four devices that you can buy as a bundle for the low, low price of 1200 bucks. Whoa, just in principle though, I wonder, do people really continue to use devices like this over time? It seems a lot like uh, extra work and you're not going to quit using a product, so, Just from that standpoint, whether it works or not, I'd say it probably isn't worth it. But I'd also say there have been a lot of devices over the years, and the main problem that I see is that there is almost never an immediate effect. So now you've got to use this device, which is inconvenient, and then you just have to trust that it is doing something good for your skin. That is a tall ask for some people, if you ask me. Now, how many people would keep up the routine even if it did have some small effect? 
I doubt many. I, I think of a product like the old Clarisonic, which was a face scrubber exfoliator. I mean, at least your skin feels different when you're done using it. These devices, they, they don't even give you that. It reminds me a bit of like weight loss. Like, I know I could lose weight if I just went on some calorie restriction diet and really stuck with it. Everyone could, but it's that sticking to it part that's really hard, and I'm just skeptical anyone could stick to the routine of using these devices very regularly, especially without seeing some immediate effect. But okay, but what about these devices? If you did stick with using them, would you see much benefit? The short answer there is there isn't a lot of good supporting evidence that these things help much at all. And there's the Derma EMS shot, Let's go through each of these. There's the Derma ES shot, which claims to use electrical muscle stimulation technology. Uh, basically, it works by sending electrical pulses to the skin, which in theory stimulate the muscles beneath the, uh, the skin to contract. The idea behind such devices in the context of skincare and aesthetics is that by exercising the facial muscles, you can improve tone and skin elasticity and potentially providing a more youthful appearance. And while that kind of technology might work with people undergoing rehabilitation from sports injuries or surgeries, there is no independent evidence it's going to help improve your skin elasticity. They can claim that, you know, supports skin uh, elasticity. I mean, that's a pretty weak claim. Next up is the ATS Air Shot. This is based on a needle-free technology that is supposed to obtain skin passageways without damaging the skin. It uses high-voltage electricity to create non-damaging passageways that make your skin look more lively. It seems to be a form of electro which uses electric pulses to create temporary openings in the skin surface to enhance the absorption of skincare products. And while electroporation is a known method in cell biology, where you need to increase the cell membrane permeability to get chemicals or drugs or even DNA into a cell, there isn't much evidence that it works to penetrate through the thick layer of skin. And their only claim on this is that it makes the skin look more lively. You know, that's a pretty weak claim, too. It's just a lot of work for no noticeable benefit. And then there's the Ucera Deep Shot, which claims to help enhance collagen stimulation in your skin. It helps plump up the skin by stimulating collagen to aid with aging skin. Now, using some dual energy, it stimulates the skin and collagen within it. So they don't really specify what the dual energy is, but... It likely means that it's some sort of combination of technologies like uh, radio frequency and ultrasound. It's, these are known to be used in aesthetic uh, clinics uh, for their thermal effects on the skin's deeper layers. And theoretically, that can stimulate collagen production. You see, the, the idea is that the RF energy, when applied to the skin, generates heat through resistance in the dermal and subdermal tissues. This heating is thought to cause uh, immediate collagen fiber contraction and, importantly, denaturation, which in turn stimulates the body's natural healing process and the production of new collagen and elastin over time. So basically, you damage your skin so it can build itself back up. This sounds kind of dubious, but there is at least some evidence that this could work. Now, does the device work? You know, I've not seen any independent evidence that it does. 
All right, and finally, there's the Booster Glow Boosting Device. It says it's for electroporation, professional beauty care, glow poration technology. It seems to market itself on the principle, of course, of electroporation again, which seems to be the same technology as the AirShot. So I'm not sure why you would need both of them. I don't know why they sell them all in one kit. The claims of giving a hydra and inner glow effect and bringing back skin radiance are pretty common marketing terms in the beauty industry, and they generally just refer to hydration and a healthy-looking complexion. You can already get that from skin moisturizers, so I'm not sure what benefit you get from this device. So overall, these devices are all based on some theoretical mechanisms, but none of them have strong evidence supporting their efficacy. And add to that the lack of any immediate noticeable benefit, I I doubt anyone's going to stick with the routine very long. So in my view, no, they're not really worth it. But hey, if you're one of those device manufacturers, here's some advice. Just create a device that gives an immediate noticeable benefit. You wouldn't have any problem selling those kinds of devices. All right, let's get to the next question. This comes from Amanda from Patreon. Hi, Beauty Brains. I'd like to know about Array products. Who are they good for? I just learned of the Array Gray Hair Delaying product line. I listened to episode 316, which talked specifically about the serum. Could you talk about the product line in general, its claims and your opinions on its efficacy? Can you also talk about the difference between white versus gray hairs? Array, the wrinkle cream of hair. Very clever. But what does that even mean? I mean, I guess it would mean that your hair would be straighter? I don't know. (laughs) I haven't heard of this brand before the question, so I took a little time to look into it. Their top claim is, quotes, science-driven products are formulated with vitamins, antioxidants, and a clinically efficacious peptide to help delay and repigment gray hair from the inside out and the outside in, while also helping you grow thicker, fuller, healthier hair overall. So, reversing gray hair, hmm. And it makes hair grow thicker and fuller. Interesting. Now, while of course a cosmetic product wouldn't be allowed to reverse gray hair in the way that you might imagine that means. So, like, you have a hair follicle that stops producing color and then it goes gray. This product would theoretically restart that. A cosmetic wouldn't be legally allowed to do that. But they only claim to repigment the hair, so I mean, they could just be adding a dye to satisfy that claim. Now, it doesn't look like that's what they're doing, so uh, maybe they're just implying something, uh, again, they're, by saying they're boosting the production of color. We'll, we'll get to that. And then the claim to delay gray, well, that is vague enough that no one is going to challenge you. I mean, what does it even mean to delay gray? How would you even know that it's delayed? <laughs> you know, nobody has a stopwatch to look and say, uh, "Oh, you were supposed to go gray uh, on October 18th, and now it's November 18th, and you're not gray yet." But <laughs> well, anyway, it's a, it's, it would be a hard claim to uh, substantiate, or also, also say that they weren't substantiated. So it's it's a vague enough claim. And then they say thicker, fuller, healthier hair. You know, everybody claims that. Regular hair care products can make those claims. But, okay, let's look at their technology claims. Uh, In their How It Works page, they are definitely describing something that would be a drug if it really worked the way they say. Now, to understand how their technology works, you have to know that they're 
that hair turns gray because melanocytes, which are the cells that inject color into your hair, they just stop working, and for whatever reason. Now, if a hair follicle loses all its melanocytes, then it's done. You can't go back and make it start up again. Now, they're claiming that once you start to see gray hair, you still have some melanocytes. So if you use their product, uh, you know, when you have only about 30% gray, then you can restart the process and hold on to your color a bit longer. Another part of their technology claims to address the problem of oxidative stress, which they say is also responsible for turning off the melanocytes. Now, the way they address this is by getting you to take vitamin supplements. Specifically, they claim it has uh, these 13 ingredients like vitamins B5, B6, B7, B9, B12, vitamin D. You know, I'm reminded of when I worked on uh, Tresemme or VF5. It was just throw a vitamin in there and every skew should have a different vitamin. We just, you got a vitamin, you get a vitamin. And we couldn't use the same one, so we kept using the next alphabet letter one. Look, uh, in hair care, vitamins, in, certainly in shampoos and conditioners, they don't do anything. They just wash away. They're just claims ingredients. And, you know, so I'm skeptical of vitamins. And now they say vitamins uh, as a vitamin supplement, and they say it can uh, help hair. Eh. So, I, you know, I call me skeptical. But they say, okay, t- take the supplement and then use the serum, and your hair is supposed to revert from being gray and it's supposed to look thicker and fuller. Okay, well, there's no independent evidence that a supplement is going to reduce gray hair. I mean, people have been taking multivitamins for years, and people are still getting pretty gray. Now, they're not also, they haven't also been using the serum for years, so, I mean, the company could argue that, but, you know, if if vitamins really help that much, wouldn't there be less gray hair among the population who took vitamins? And, you know, we're not seeing that. So, you know, I don't really believe that. And then there's the serum. I'm looking at the ingredients. It's water and glycerin. And then there's a bunch of extracts and panthenol and caffeine. You know, yeah, standard stuff. But they are hanging their hat on this ingredient, this Palmitol tetrapeptide number 20 amide, which the supplement, the supplier of that claims is a peptide that may have hair growth promoting effects by mimicking the body's natural hair growth signals. Caffeine is also in there, and it's supposed to promote growth, biotin also, so I guess they just throw in whatever makes sense for the story. <clears throat> now, all I will say is that the evidence supporting these ingredients as hair growth products uh, is really, really weak. Uh, If they could show some substantial growth, they would get this registered as a drug and then make like a bajillion dollars if it really made your hair grow back like that. Also, I don't get why companies do that. I mean, if they really believe in this peptide, then why are you putting in caffeine and biotin and all these traditional extracts? It's like they need all this extra stuff to get you to believe it. I mean, don't they really believe that this peptide really is working? Why do you need all this other stuff if this works? So I don't know. I'd say if it really made your hair thicker, fuller, and less gray, you wouldn't need all this other stuff to convince consumers. And their supporting studies are just consumer surveys before and after taking the product. I mean, that is the weakest claim support evidence that there is. 
Of course, you know, people taking products are going to report that they feel better about their hair. Uh, who would want to admit that they took a bunch of daily pills, they applied this serum for weeks, and at the end of the day, they saw no difference? <laughs> Nobody's going to want to admit that. They'll feel like suckers. So anyway, it's a nice story, but I don't see anything here that would make me believe that this product is going to show you much benefits beyond a psychological one. In my opinion, it's not going to make your hair regrow or stop it from going gray. All right, the next question comes to us from Julia. Hi, Beauty Brains. I hear a lot of people talk about how good Korean skincare is. The COSRX Snail Mucin Essence and Beauty of Josie and Sunscreen are products I've heard great things about. What is it about Korean skincare products that make them work so well, and do these two products deserve the attention they get? Thanks. Well, thanks for that question, Julia. The thing that makes Korean skincare products work so good is the same things that make products everywhere else in the world work so good, right? Occlusive agents, humectants, and emollients. Seriously, snail mucin essence is it's not having a significant impact on the performance of skincare products it's just a marketing ingredient that gives people something to talk about there are a lot of claims made about snail mucilin so let's talk about some of those hydration supposedly it contains hyaluronic acid and glycoproteins which are known to be potent humectants okay they they are but it's not going to work better than if you would have used hyaluronic acid or even if you use glycerin and then there's the claim that it has skin healing properties. There's no good independent evidence that snail mucin has skin healing properties. Then people think it can stimulate collagen and elastin production. Uh, while laboratory studies have shown that certain components of stale mu snail mucin can stimulate the production of collagen, there aren't any good clinical trials to verify this claim. And anti-aging, well, that goes along with the collagen elastin simulation, so... There's no evidence that it makes it anti-aging either. Acne and scar reduction is also claimed, and there's no good clinical studies proving that. And then they say it's an antioxidant. You know, everything else is an antioxidant. But in terms of scientific literature, most of the studies on stale mucin and its effect on the skin are in vitro. That means in a lab setting, or they're just anecdotal based on what people say. And while there are some promising preliminary findings, they often come from studies with small sample sizes, they don't have control groups, or they're not double-blinded. So on this technology specifically, there isn't much. And in fact, I don't think technology is what has made Korean skincare so popular. I think one of the main reasons is that to most people, it seems like an exotic, faraway place, which gives it a certain flair and intrigue. The images that come out of Korean media show people with smooth and youthful-looking skin. And I can imagine to people outside of that country, they might conclude that there must be something to the products that is responsible for the effects. You know, it kind of reminds me of when I was working in hair care on Tresemme. The fact that it sounded French, uh, in fact, their tagline was Tresemme, ooh la la, you know, so it's French. The fact that it was French, it was kind of a big selling point for the product. People just equate France or French things with luxury, fashion, and beauty. So if you could make people think Tresemme and then it was somehow associated with France and it was not just made in some you know, factory in Melrose Park, Illinois, that was good for marketing. I think Korean skincare is kind of the same way. It's not so much that the products, uh, but 
what people believe the products are in, in their imagination. So why Korean products specifically? Well, there might be some other things going on too. They use different ingredients than we might find here in the US or in Europe. Not nothing that anyone else couldn't have used before, but stuff like snail, mucin, green tea, and, and various extracts, they were featured heavily in the products. And I could see that being appealing to people. It's just an ingredient you've never heard of. It must be doing something, right? And, and But what happens is once an ingredient gets popular somewhere in the world, you know, everybody puts it in there. Everybody can put snail mucin in their products in the United States, too. It, it's, you know, it's not doing anything here or there, so... Now, they also have this complicated layering procedure, which makes it seem like you're, you're really doing a lot of work and important steps that lead to some amazing results. You know, that's just a gimmick. It's an effective one, of course, but, you know, to me, it's a gimmick. Beauty products are not just about the results, but the experience of using them is also important, too. You know, add in some cute, playful packaging, some social media hype, and reasonable prices, and you've got a trend. I mean, Korean skincare products are, they're, they're good, they're good products, and hey, they're probably great for some people. But there's nothing about the technology that they used in these products that is going to make them perform better than something that you might get from Unilever, L'Oreal, or, or P&G. The stories are what really sell that trend. All right, I've been talking a lot, so let's just do a few rapid-fire questions. Thanks to everyone who has submitted questions, and a special thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon. You help keep the show going. And if you appreciate that we don't take money from advertisers so we can keep the most unbiased spin we can on questions, please head on over to patreon.com and support us. Go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. We also prior prioritize your questions over any other that are submitted, and you can get a transcript of the shows there. All right, on with some more questions. What are heat protection ingredients? In general, heat protection ingredients are silicones, polymers, or emollient ingredients. So chemically, you have a silicone, oxygen silicone, it's a polymer that's able to absorb more of the heat, uh, which then protect, it creates a, a coating on your hair fiber, so uh, it, then the heat does not hit your hair fiber directly, and so it doesn't damage the hair protein as much. That, that's the idea there. Uh, ingredients like uh, other, you know, hydrocarbon polymers can uh, create a film also, and that film could potentially pre uh, prevent hair damage. And uh, emollient oil ingredients, you know, some of them, like coconut oil, can penetrate the hair, and uh, then it stays inside the hair, and that helps to protect the protein. So, chemically, the whole idea of a, a heat protector is it create a coating on the hair, and that coating prevents the fiber from getting damaged by heat. Chloe says... Hi, I just discovered your podcast, and the episodes have been a great listen for me. I'm curious about beauty devices in general, and I myself own several Foreo devices, namely their Luna and UFO. My question is, do you really think these devices work, or they are just marketing? I mean, for example, the Luna seems to work great, but I don't know if it's the T-Sonic technology they're talking about, or any other cleansing device will work just fine. Or, for example, the Dyson hairdryer. Is it really better for your hair compared to regular and affordable hairdryers? 
beauty devices. Uh, now, I talked about them earlier on the show, and no, I don't think devices like those are worth the price you pay. Mostly the results are unproven, but more importantly, I doubt you're gonna keep using them. But for a product like Luna, if if you like it, keep using it. You know, but yeah, you know, any other cleansing device is gonna work just fine too. I don't think the Dyson hair dryer is better for your hair, but you might like it better. I mean, it's more of an aesthetic choice than a functional one. I mean, everything's going to dry your hair well enough if if it's the right temperature, and you know. So, uh, you know, I, it's not better for your hair. Hi, beauty brains. What do you think are the best oils for lightweight moisturizing of hair? Thanks, and keep up the great work, Kevin. The best oils for hair? I mean, coconut oil is good for penetration, and silicone oils are probably the best, like dimethicone, but using a standard rinse-out conditioner is going to get you the best results if you were measuring in lab tests. Hi there. As a hairstylist, I like to suggest at-home treatments to my clients to help with dryness and overall damage for color-treated hair. I have been reading about pre-oiling the mid-ends of hair before shampooing to help with the mechanical damage of the whole shampooing process. Would you suggest this approach, even if it is only left on dry hair five minutes before a shampoo to protect it? I heard a coconut oil-based product works best? Or would it be the same amount of protection to just wet the hair? Put conditioner on mid to end of hair and then shampoo. Thanks so much. Krista. I haven't seen any evidence that pre-oiling hair is going to reduce mechanical damage. Coconut oil can definitely penetrate the hair, but I don't see how that's going to be much help with the damage caused by shampooing. Uh, You know, all that putting oil on your hair before you shampoo is it's going to make your shampoo not clean your hair as well. And... In truth, though, shampooing doesn't damage the hair right a whole bunch. The the key, though, is to use a conditioner after every shampoo. I don't think using an oil is going to make much difference at all. Uh, Ryan has a bunch of questions. Does scalp hair steaming have any benefits, or is it more harmful? No, I don't think heat hair steaming has any impact. I, I could see it causing some problems, though, if you have already damaged hair. It could increase that damage. What are your thoughts on a hydrofacial for the scalp or the face? Near as I can tell, a hydrofacial is a treatment that combines cleansing, exfoliating, extraction, hydration, and antioxidant protection all in one procedure. I mean, all of these things can have a positive benefit on skin, but I don't see that it would have much lasting impact. In your opinion, what bond builder is the most effective or for what hair type? For example, K18, Olaplex, or Redken acidic bonding. I know this might not be a popular opinion, but I don't think bond builders are particularly effective at anything. Uh, you know, to me, they're more of a story than anything else. You know, if you're using a hair conditioner, you're doing anything better than um, the what these bond builders will help you do. So, yeah, color me skeptical on the bond builders. I know there's... There's patents, and there's, these things cost a lot of money, and there's salon treatments, but, you know, I've, I've seen tresses. I've tested tresses, and tresses are a friend of mine. No, um, doing this bond building is not going to mitigate that much of the damage that you get from hair coloring or bleaching your hair, 
and you're still going to need to use a conditioner. It's not like these things are repairing your hair so much that you don't need to condition. And I just don't see that they're, whether you did the bond building or not, I don't see that it helps very much. How does bioprogramming hair boron hair dryers and curling iron work? It seems to be too good to be true, and it's a huge investment if it doesn't live up to the claims. Thank you. Well, how does the hair boron work? Well, you know, they claim that they have this bijou crystal plate or this bijou platinum plate technology. Now, they claim that these special plates emit far infrared radiation and negative ions in a way that's particularly beneficial for hair health and styling effectiveness. I, come on, in my opinion, these things work the same way every other hair dryer and curling iron works. The hair gets dry by blowing hot air on it, and the hair gets curled by heating up the fiber and then holding it in place. All this other technology, crystals and ions and such, it's just marketing unverified gobbledygook, if you ask me. But some people like that kind of thing. What is crystal deodorant, and how is it different from regular deodorants? Thanks, Nadia. Well, what crystal deodorant is, that depends on what you mean by the word deodorant. There are two different meanings, right? One is just a product that covers or prevents underarm odor. The other has the additional benefit of stopping sweating. So things that stop sweating are called antiperspirants. So crystal deodorants are not designed to stop sweating. So they don't use the aluminum salts that you find in antiperspirants. Instead, crystals use potassium alum or ammonium alum, which are natural mineral salts. The idea here is that it doesn't prevent sweat, but it makes a hostile environment to the bacteria on your underarm so they don't break down the sweat and then they create those smelly odors. Now, do they work as well? You know, for some people they might, but to, for these things to work too, you need to already be kind of moist under your underarm to get the, the salts to dissolve and then stay on the surface. So, I, I don't know, that's sounds kind of wet you know which seems to be what you're trying to prevent under your arms but you know you know since the these don't stop the sweat so you know a lot of people might be disappointed but you know some people kind of like them so you know to each its own and finally we have a question from kim why aren't there more lip balms with water and humectants in it or at high concentrations is it hard to formulate Lip balms are mostly made up of a wax or oily material, so to include water and humectants would mean that you would need to create some sort of emulsion, and then that would be more like a cream, which makes a stick delivery form uh, a bit trickier. So yeah, it would be harder to make a stick product with a lot of water and humectants that people would still enjoy using, and that's probably why you don't find more uh, water and humectants in your lip balm products all right i hear the music and the calling of the kittens so i am going to sign up thanks so much for listening if you get a chance can you go over to apple podcasts and leave us a review that's going to help other people find the show and ensure that we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. And if you have a question, just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. Now, if you just want to email us your question without reading it, uh, that's fine, too. Uh, you know, I can use an AI for your voice if, if that's cool or just read it ourselves. Hey, the Beauty Brains are also on Patreon if you want to... 
support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. Your questions get a higher priority to get answered and you get a transcript of the show. Hey, the Beauty Brains are also on social media. You can follow us on Instagram. We're at the Beauty Brains 2018. On Twitter, we're at the Beauty Brains. And we have a Facebook page and TikTok page that we're squatting on and don't seem to do much for it. All right, thanks again for listening. And remember, as Valerie already says, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens.